Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 165. Today's big Bible question is, who is the beast of Revelation? And it's a two-part episode, so today is part one. Hello, friends. Happy Thursday to you. Some more great passages today in the Bible to read and some great potential topics that we're going to miss out on. Psalm 103 is one of my favorite psalms and formed the basis of one of my top five all-time favorite worship songs, which is called Bless the Lord by Alicia Powell. If you will, head on over to our podcast page at BibleReadingPodcast.com. That's BibleReadingPodcast.com. You can actually listen to that song, Bless the Lord, because I've got the uh, YouTube video for it embedded on the page for this episode. Deuteronomy 16 brings up the festival of the Jews, uh, several of them, in fact, and causes us to um, ponder a really important question. Should Christians still celebrate and observe the Old Testament festivals? One day, we're going to tackle this topic in depth, but I do believe the biblical answer to that question is that not New Testament non-Jewish Christians actually have the liberty to celebrate or observe the festivals and Passovers, etc., or not. Well, we'll talk about that one day soon. Isaiah 43 discusses God's restoration of Israel and has this beautiful gem in verse 25 where God says, I am the one. I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. A discussion of any of those passages would be good because the source material is always so great. But I just can't pass up the opportunity to discuss another one of the more enigmatic and unsettling figures in the Bible. For those that are recent listeners just from this year, I should tell you this podcast began its life as the Bible Mystery Podcast, and it focused on great mysteries of the Bible. Then it became the Bible Questions Podcast, and now in its current form, the Daily Bible Reading Podcast. Uh, I still love love a good mystery, though, and I still like to discuss the Bible in a question-and-answer format, so those two old shows kind of still live on in this one, and that's how we roll most days. Uh, And today we've got a great and kind of scary mystery. We discuss the potential identities of the beast. You've heard of the mark of the beast. Tomorrow, we're going to discuss 666 and the mark of the beast. Now, I do want to be careful, though. I love a good mystery, like I said, and I love some of these fascinating passages in the Bible, and I find the whole of Revelation fascinating. But the key focus for us as followers of Jesus always, always, always has to be on Christ and him crucified and raised from the dead. That's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins. The good news is Jesus paid the price for my sin and for your sin on the cross. And not only did he die paying that price, but his father raised him from the dead. And because of that, he promises us that all who look to Jesus and his death on the cross in faith, believing that it was a death that he took for us, and in faith following Jesus, all of us who wholeheartedly follow Jesus in faith, we will be raised from the dead as well. That's the good news of Jesus. Let's not waver from that as we consider these mysterious portents of the future. Now, Revelation 13 is not going to introduce us to just one beast, but two. So who are they? Let's read the chapter, and then we will return and talk about and 
I guess actually we're going to speculate because that's the best we're going to be able to do today. A little bit of biblically informed speculation. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads. On its horns were ten crowns, and on its head were blasphemous names. The beast I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. The dragon gave the beast its power, his throne, and great authority. One of the heads appeared to be fatally wounded, but its fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter boasts and blasphemies. It was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It began to speak blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his dwelling, those who dwell in heaven. And it was permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. It was also given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All those who live on the earth will worship it, everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who is slaughtered. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. If anyone is to be taken captive, into captivity he goes. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and compels the earth and those who live on it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. It also performs great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in front of people. It deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs that it is permitted to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who live on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. It was permitted to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast could both speak and cause whoever would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And it makes everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name, or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, because it is the number of a person. Its number is 666. So the first thing we need to note is that there are clearly two beasts in Revelation. So many people speak of the beast. Who is the beast? Well, there's at least two of them in the book of Revelation. A beast from the sea and a beast from the land, as verse 11 makes clear. When John says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. Now, when I read that description of the beast of the sea, one way to take it is that this figure will be one who appears to be lamb-like, you know, maybe Christ-like, but his words are dragon-like, in other words, Satan-like. This kind of reminds me of Paul's warning in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, where he says, Satan disguises himself or masquerades as an angel of light. Now, that might give us a clue to the personality of one of the beasts, but we probably need to back up first and consider the big picture. Is John talking about a creature here, or a human being, or something else entirely? Well, I believe the answer is given to us in Daniel 7, 
which is a chapter that connects at multiple points with Revelation 13, just like Revelation 12 linked up yesterday, as we saw with Daniel 8 in some places. So let's read a big chunk of Daniel 7. Daniel 7, verse 1. In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream with visions in his mind as he was lying in his bed. He wrote down the dream, and here is the summary of his account. Daniel said, In my vision at night I was watching, and suddenly the four winds of heaven stirred up the great sea. Four huge beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, but had eagle's wings. I continued watching until its wings were torn off. It was lifted up from the ground, set on its feet like a man and given a human mind. Suddenly another beast appeared, a second one that looked like a bear. It was raised up on one side with three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up, gorge yourself on flesh. After this, while I was watching, and suddenly another beast appeared. It was like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. It had four heads, and it was given dominion. After this, while I was watching, in the night vision, suddenly a fourth beast appeared, frightening and dreadful, and incredibly strong with large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed, and it trampled with its feet whatever was left. It was different from all the beasts before it, and it had ten horns. Skip a bit to verse 15. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was deeply distressed within me, and the visions in my mind terrified me. I approached one of those who were standing by and asked him to clarify all this, so he let me know the interpretation of these things. These huge beasts, four in number, are four kings who will rise from the earth, but the holy ones of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to be clear about the fourth beast, the one different from the all of the others, extremely terrifying with iron teeth and bronze claws, devouring, crushing, and trampling with its feet whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and about the other horn that came up, before which three fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke arrogantly and that looked bigger than the others. As I was watching, this horn waged war against the holy ones and was prevailing over them until the Ancient of Days arrived and a judgment was given in favor of the holy ones of the Most High, for the time had come and the holy ones took possession of the kingdom. This is what he said. The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trample it down, and crush it. The ten horns are ten kings who will rise from this kingdom. Another king, different from the previous ones, will rise after them and subdue three kings. He will speak words against the Most High and oppress the holy ones of the Most High. He will intend to change religious festivals and laws, and the holy ones will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. Oh, wow, we are in deep waters now, aren't we? No pun intended. Let's look at the parallels between Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. First of all, we notice that Daniel's four beasts all come up out of the sea, as does Revelation's first beast. Each chapter also has a beast that has a leopard-like appearance, and both chapters have a beast with ten horns on their head, the fourth and most frightening beast of Daniel 7 and the beast out of the sea in Revelation 13. There are also mouths that are trash-talking in both chapters. Daniel 7 has a, quote, little horn on the fourth beast 
that spoke arrogantly. Revelation 13 features the beast of the sea given a mouth to utter blasphemies. Not an exact match, to be sure, but definitely similar. One more similarity, and this one pretty much clinches it for me, that both passages are discussing the exact same thing. In Revelation 13, the beast from the sea is permitted to wage war on the people of God and will be very, very successful in that war. In fact, verse 7 says it will be permitted to wage war against the saints and to conquer them. Likewise, Daniel 7, one of the horns on the fourth beast, the little horn, also wages war on God's people and also prevails against them for some time. So these two passages are obviously connected, and the beasts and the horns seem interrelated as well. So these two passages are very obviously connected, and the beasts and the horns seem very interrelated as well. So what can we know about the beast from the sea and the beast from the land? Unfortunately, Revelation 13 doesn't give us a ton of information as how to interpret this vision of John's, but good news, the reason for that is probably because Daniel 7, widely known to John and the Christians of the first century, has already explained much of what John saw, because Daniel saw it too, and Daniel asks the angel with him for an explanation of the four beasts and its horns and receives one. So Daniel 7.23, we hear, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth, trample it down, and crush it. The ten horns are ten kings who will rise from this kingdom. Another king, different from the previous ones, will rise after them and subdue three kings. He will speak words against the Most High and oppress the holy ones of the Most High. He will intend to change religious festivals and laws, and the holy ones will be handed over to him for a time, times, and half a time. So given this information, I believe it would be reasonable to believe that the beast out of the sea in Revelation 13 may not actually be a single human at all, but a kingdom or a country or even a group of countries that will have ten kings or presidents or rulers or prime ministers, and then another king, a little but very powerful horn, will arise and take over three of those kings, presidents, rulers, somehow, some way. That little fact would seem to indicate that these ten rulers are not rulers in succession, for instance, one president elected after another, but ten rulers ruling at the same time. Otherwise, it would be difficult for one king or leader, the little horn in this instance, to rise up and take over for three other kings and rulers. And that, if I'm understanding it correctly, would seem to indicate that the beast from the sea could be... And notice I'm hedging my bets here. There's a reason I'm hedging my bets, because some of this this stuff is not much more clear than mud. But this could mean that... The beast from the sea is a conglomeration of countries, possibly with ten presidents, kings, and rulers. Now, for a while there, a lot of people thought that this would be the European Union, especially when there were ten countries in the European Union. Now, of course, there's way more than ten countries in the European Union, so everybody's like, oh, well, okay, I guess we were wrong there. But I do think the evidence seems to point us in the direction of some sort of conglomeration of countries somehow, some way, being the beast from the sea. Now, 
This is, of course, speculation. It's not rampant and wild-eyed speculation. It could fit within the scriptural narrative, but it's speculation nonetheless. Why is it a beast from the sea? Another guess or possibility is that this refers to the kingdom being across the ocean from John and from Israel, perhaps from a different continent like the Americas or far Asia or Africa. Now, what about the beast from the land? that has a lambish-like appearance, or at least has two horns like a lamb, but the mouth of a dragon? Well, that's a good question. Could this be a kingdom or union with only two rulers? Or is the two horns like a lamb more descriptive of the character of a particular person? Well, the bottom line is it's difficult to know. Of the four beasts in Daniel 7, three at least seem to refer to kings and rulers, and one refers to a kingdom or a union of kingdoms. So we could kind of go either way here, which should very much put us in a place of humility and not dogmatism about Revelation. As I've mentioned before, I am quite skeptical of the people who seem to have figured out every facet and detail of this book. Such confidence might sell their own books and gain followers, but honestly, it just seems quite unwarranted given the fact that even Daniel, one of the wisest and most righteous people in the entire Bible, who had an angel, multiple angels actually, with him to help him understand these visions, still concluded after having them in Daniel 8.27, he says, I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was greatly disturbed by the vision and could not understand it. So friends, if Daniel, who had an angel talking him through this, couldn't understand these visions, you know what? Maybe we're going to struggle with it too. And that's okay. I've always said, the nearer we get to the end times, the clearer these biblical prophecies are going to be. And there's, I think that's how it's designed by our Creator. So in closing... I'd like for us to focus back on Jesus, and we can do that so beautifully in Daniel 7. And I note here that the title that Jesus mainly uses for himself, in other words, what he called himself, Son of Man, actually comes from Daniel 7. Jesus wasn't merely just saying, hey, I'm a human, I'm son of a human. He was using a phrase and a title that all of Israel would be quite familiar with. So, Let's read about this soon-coming Son of Man in Daniel, realizing it's talking about Jesus, and close with the encouragement that no matter how bad this pandemic gets, if there's a second wave, a third wave, a 57th wave, or whatever, or the riots, or all the injustice in the world, or the attack of the beasts of Revelation, or the suffering and persecution that so many good people and 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 races are experiencing right now, or any other trial or tribulation, no matter how bad it gets for you, my friends, the Son of Man is returning for His people. And if you are in Christ, you are washed by Him, believing in the gospel, wholeheartedly following Him in faith, He will set everything aright. So let's read Daniel 7, which has all of a sudden become maybe the focus passage of the pod for today, even though that's not our assigned reason, reading. Sorry, Robert Murray McShane. Daniel 7, verse 9. As I kept watching, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white like snow, and the hair of his head like whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire. 
Its wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from his presence. Pause. Just isn't it fascinating how so many times when we see God portrayed in the Old Testament, it's fire, 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 fire. And so little of the pictures of heaven we see show God surrounded by fire. Well, back to the verse. For This is Daniel 7, verse 10. Thousands upon thousands served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was convened and the books were opened. I watched then because of the sound of the arrogant words the horn was speaking. As I continued watching, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was removed, but an extension of life was granted to them for a certain period of time. Huh? Verse 13. I continued watching in the night visions and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory in a kingdom, so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Praise be to Jesus, the King, the Son of Man, who is coming, and when he does, he will set everything right. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Set aside the month of Abib and observe the Passover to the Lord your God, because the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night in the month of Abib. Sacrifice to the Lord your God a Passover animal from the herd or flock in the place where the Lord chooses to have his name dwell. Do not eat leavened bread with it. For seven days you are to eat unleavened bread with it, the bread of hardship, because you left the land of Egypt in a hurry, so that you may remember for the rest of your life the day you left the land of Egypt. No yeast is to be found anywhere in your territory for seven days, and none of the meat you sacrifice in the evening of the first day is to remain until morning. You are not to sacrifice the Passover animal in any of the towns the Lord your God is giving you. Sacrifice the Passover animal only at the place where the Lord your God chooses to have his name dwell. Do this in the evening as the sun sets at the same time of the day you departed from Egypt. You are to cook and eat it in the place the Lord your God chooses, and you are to return to your tents in the morning. Eat unleavened bread for six days. On the seventh day there is to be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. Do not do any work. You are to count seven weeks, counting the weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain. You are to celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God with a free will offering that you give in proportion to how the Lord your God has blessed you. Rejoice before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to have his name dwell. You, your son, your daughter, and your male and female slave, the Levite within your city gates, as well as the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt carefully follow these statues. You are to celebrate the festival of shelters for seven days when you have gathered in everything from your threshing floor and wine press. Rejoice during your festival, you, your son and daughter, your male and female slave, as well as the Levite, the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow within your city gates. You are to hold a seven-day festival for the Lord your God in the place he chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands you will have abundant joy. All your males are to appear three times a year before the Lord your God in the place he chooses at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of shelters. No one is to appear before the Lord empty-handed. 
Everyone must appear with a gift suited to his means, according to the blessing the Lord your God has given you. Appoint judges and officials for your tribes in all your towns the Lord your God is giving you. They are to judge the people with righteous judgment. Do not deny justice or show partiality to anyone. Do not accept a bribe, for it blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Pursue justice and justice alone, so that you will live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Do not set up an Asherah of any kind of wood next to the altar you will build for the Lord your God. And do not set up a sacred pillar. The Lord your God hates them. Psalm 103. My soul, bless the Lord, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He he blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is towards those who fear him, and his righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep his covenant, who remember to observe his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command, Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Now this is what the Lord says, The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba, in your place, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who bears my name and is created for my glory. I have formed them, indeed I have made them. Bring out a people who are blind yet have eyes, and are deaf yet have ears. All the nations are gathered together and the peoples are assembled. Who among them can declare this and tell us the former things? Let them present their witnesses to vindicate themselves so that the people may hear and say it is true. 
You are my witnesses. This is the Lord's declaration and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. No God was formed before me and there will be none after me. I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no savior. I alone declared, saved and proclaimed and not some foreign God among you. So you are my witnesses. This is the Lord's declaration and I am God. Also from today on, I am he alone and none can rescue from my power. I act, and who can reverse it? This is what the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, says, Because of you I will send an army to Babylon and bring all of them as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. This is what the Lord says, who makes a way in the sea and a path through raging water, who brings out the chariot and horse, the army and the mighty one together. They lie down, they do not rise again. They are extinguished, put out like a wick. Do not remember the past events, pay no attention to things of old. Look, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming, do not see it. Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, wild animals, jackals and ostriches will honor me, because I provide water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people." The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. But Jacob, you have not called on me, because Israel, you have become weary of me. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with incense. You have not brought me aromatic cane with silver or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I am the one. I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Remind me, let's argue the case together. Recount the facts so that you may be vindicated. Your first father sinned and your mediators have rebelled against me. So I defiled the officers of the sanctuary and set Jacob apart for destruction and Israel for scorn. And dear friends, that is a heavy place to leave today, but I want to assure you that good things are coming in Isaiah 44. And good things are coming with the return of the Son of Man. Eyes to the sky, waiting. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.